0: You're listening to the Accordion to Me podcast with Veronique Medrano. On this week's episode, we get to chat with modern curandera and serial entrepreneur, Julia Arredondo. From the beautiful city of Corpus Christi, this Mexican-American artist takes us on a journey of self-healing through the art of curanderismo and digging deeper into the true nature of serial entrepreneurship and how it can liberate the need to please. As some of you know, early in 2020, I was in an accident. The consequences that you have to live with after can be a lot. You can lose your car, you can lose work, and therefore money, and you can of course be super injured and have huge hospital bills to pay. No bueno. So if like me, you've been the victim of an accident, you need a professional to help you get the care you need. In case of an accident, you need a lawyer to protect your rights and your wallet, And you don't have to look any further than that simple phrase by going to the URL incaseofanaccident.com for a free consultation 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And if the person that suffered the accident wasn't you, but maybe it was your tia, or your abuelita, or something, don't worry, everyone at In Case of an Accident speaks Spanish. They can even take messages through WhatsApp at 888-990-0911. So if you or a loved one have suffered through a horrible car accident like me, visit the team at incaseofanaccident.com for more help. Just don't forget to tell them that Veronique Medrano from Accordion to Me sent you. Hi, everyone. My name is Veronique Medrano, and this is the Accordion to Me podcast, where we talk to different guests about life and the arts according in to them. <laughs> and on today's podcast is artist, entrepreneur, and overall badass chingona from Corpus Christi, Texas, Julia Arredondo. (laughs) Hello, Julia!
1: (laughs) Hello, Veronica. Thank you so much for that awesome intro, and it's just freaking cool to see you. It's been like Dude, I haven't seen you for five years.
0: <laughs> yes. We actually haven't physically been in the same space with each other for for five years. And it was at a it was at a convention that was happening at the Bronzeville Arts Museum. Mm-hmm. The Bronzeville Museum of Art was doing a convention. I can't quite remember what the convention. I think it was like a, a Chicano convention, something like that, a mix-y Mexican-American con. I'm trying to remember what it was. Yeah,
1: it was the Latino Comics Expo.
0: Thank you. Yeah. And that was just, that was a cool experience. I know like I wanted to come back, obviously, you know, a lot of things that, that we've lost over the last two years, just because of distancing and and everything else that kind of goes with the day-to-day life now and the anxiety Mm -hmm. of it all. Uh, But I find it just so interesting, your journey. And I, and I've always wanted to sit down and talk with you ever since then, because for those who don't know, uh, Julia Arredondo also goes by as Casual Haiku online, as well as um, she was the spearheader for Just Tell Them About Your Brand, because I I was just really intrigued by that. That's what really like got me in at the start. Um, and it still gets mentioned a lot, even though you don't have the store anymore. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Curandera Press, if I'm correct. Is that, is that what
1: it was called? Yeah, Curandera Press was actually my second business, my second small press. Vice versa press. So what was your first? The first one was Vice Versa Press. Mm-hmm. Um it was like an independent it was a publishing house, it's like how I sold zines and made punk gear and then it eventually transitioned into Gorandera Press. And several brands since then. I'm just addicted to oh startups. I'm addicted to
0: startups. You're extended, you're you're addicted to starting them up and then going, ha, I take it from you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's absolutely true. Yes, I
1: do like causing a little tiny bits of pain here and there. <laughs> uh,
0: and this was the thing about Curandera Press that just always and and I think it's one of those things that's stuck with people of all the the brands that you've made, that one's the one that has stuck the most. And and I know that you're, you're doing a new one now. What's the new one that you're currently, are are you doing a new one or is it kind of like in, in this weird limbo space?
1: It's hard to tell where it's at. It's called QTVC live and it's like QVC, but cooler with artists and weird <laughs> stuff. And we, you know, we've sold like gross things, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's just, it's like a parody of the televised sales channel that I grew up with. I think maybe you grew up with that too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. And so you went from from Curandera Press to QTVC, mm-hmm. uh, which is a parody, obviously, of the uh, TV ch- selling channel yeah. that was just the channel was just selling stuff. Oh, that's my goal. And yeah. And it was it's just so interesting that, like, I still see you having to go back and address Curandera Press. And, I, and I'm always curious, will you ever go back to it? Because there's been so much clamor for it over the years. And even still to this day, I think like two months ago, there was a, an article talking about your products. And, and of course, you had to come out online and go, yo, I don't got nothing <laughs> no more. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
1: so I, I think I'm in the process of actually selling the archive and talking to you as a librarian is particularly like interesting and fun right now because I'm trying to sell the archive to either the Lila Spenson collection at UT Austin or to the Newberry Library in Chicago. Once these archives are sold off, I will have no, I won't have access to any of the material to be able to reproduce any of it. So once it's once I sell it off. And what was,
0: you know, what was the goal? Because like, that's interesting. Like you went from, from building a brand mm-hmm. to now you're selling it to an archive. That's crazy. Like how many people there's, I can, I can't name you a zine that has ever done that. I really can't. I can't name a zine to save my life. And if somebody wants to correct me, by all means comment on this podcast, but I have not heard of one that has done that. What, what pushed you to do that? That's a- in that direction. <laughs> Well, I mean, it hasn't been
1: done yet, Veronique, so I don't know, you know, I can't, I hope I didn't curse myself, and they're like, actually, we don't have the budget anymore, sorry. Um, I guess I just wanted the chapter to be closed, for me, that was a way to just close the chapter so I could keep on this trajectory that I'm going on, Is like, I'm like, part of my art practice is opening new businesses, and like, shutting them down, opening them, you know, just, I just... Being free. Uh, that's absolutely like my lifestyle is this like lifestyle of non-committal. But at the same time, I am able to like pursue, pursue like all these ideas that just pop into my head, you know, and continuing a business, continuing a business like Grandera Press. Yeah, it would have been profitable, but I don't, I just didn't feel like I was contributing as much to this like conversation around contemporary Latinx identity as like all these other conversations around me, you know, like, I think I was there for a really great chunk of that conversation. But I was like, you know what, I've already taken up my space, it's time for me to like, move out of the way. There's like new, new players, right? There's new players, there's new perspectives. And I want to make sure that I'm not just profiting off of that.
0: So. And it's interesting that you're doing it in an archiving way, whether whether these, you know, to wherever it ends up being, because, selling an archive is definitely not an easy thing but it was collecting it all so go through with us the process of collecting all of these pieces you know did you did you already have something in mind that you needed to save this and and why
1: hmm, these are heavy questions but on me <laughs> but they're great i'm am <laughs> so sorry no, they're great i the older i get as an artist cuz i'm in my early 30s now i start i'm Okay, I'm just keeping things longer when I was younger I would throw work away and I regret that and I think it's that regret of losing all of that work that I made when I was younger that I wish I still like I so wish I had it I just I threw it away because even though I valued it the institutions that I was working in at that time did not value it mm. and I wanted to honor like the work that I was doing and keep the work because even though the institutions maybe weren't valuing it I valued it and so reflecting on that past feeling of like why did I do it? Why did I throw away my work? This work that was so precious. Why the, I just didn't want to do that again. So I just, I keep things longer these days.
0: I want to, I want to dig deeper into that because it, it says a lot about archiving for people of color. Mm. And it's, and it's the reason why I went into the field of archiving and preservation and became a librarian because there the, the institution itself loved the institution. It's the whole reason that I got into it, mm-hmm. but as I was being educated in it, I realized really, really quickly how Anglo it is. Mm-hmm. I even called it out in papers. Did not get in trouble, by the way. Great. <laughs> like I didn't get in trouble for it. They they acknowledged it. They said, no, that's it's yeah. true. I was like, oh, I thought I was gonna get an F. <laughs> like that was my that was my logic. But I, you know what, I have some really great teachers and and I'm about to to graduate. And but I realized that importance because there's something so real about, you know, yeah, we're from South Texas, because I do I do consider Corpus Christi a part of, of the South Texas culture. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like when we're in our spaces, there's, cele- there, there's almost like this is normal. Mm-hmm. Like what you're doing is normal. There's nothing exciting about what you're doing. And so it almost feels really weird because when you step out of your space, out of your area, and you share it with the rest of the world, the rest of the world doesn't have the luxury that South Texas or border towns have of normalcy of the culture and the iconography. And so I could completely understand that. I mean, I always thought I was special, so that's the only reason I'm a little dip. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, this is the truth. Me and my mom, like, we have archives of like cassette tapes from when I was singing when I was younger. I mean, did my mom really know what was going to happen with me? Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, but it's still it's still something culturally relevant. And so like for her, she felt the need to save it, but more often than not, families and especially artists have that same mentality. Mm -hmm. And I just, I want to dig into it deeper because it does come with getting older. I didn't come into this particular field till I was in my late twenties and decided, okay, I'm going to jump into it because I'm noticing there's such a vacuous space for people of color, especially Latinx, mm-hmm. Mexican, Mexican Americans mm-hmm. in the field, you look at LinkedIn, my God, just look up a librarian on LinkedIn, you will see the sea of, of Anglo faces, yeah. and like, one or two or three, you know, people of color, that's, that's insane. And so I, I want to just kind of, you know, applaud you for doing that work because it's really great. But I, I do want to ask, you know, what was, what was the turning point for you to say, okay, I need to save it. Like what, what happened? Was there something that happened that you can recall or just a time of year? Cause you're saying you're in your thirties. So it wasn't like, oh, yesterday, obviously, but like, at what point did you go, okay, I need to, I need to pump the brakes and, and start collecting this for something more for, for people who can see it past when I'm gone
1: gosh but I mean, I don't know if there was a specific moment I don't know if it was a a moment I just think that I started to take myself seriously for the first time as an artist you know I think for a long time I was just sort of flying by the seat of my pants which I thoroughly enjoyed but uh, a certain point maybe when I was like 29 during my Mercury or not my Mercury my uh Saturn's return maybe it was my Saturn's return all right you want to get <laughs> honestly it was probably my Saturn's return I was like you know what I'm in this for the long haul, I've devoted my life to this practice of being an artist. Like if every white man that I know who's a painter can archive themselves and be taken seriously, so can I, because I know that I'm damn good. There was just a point where I was like, you know what? I've got it. You know, I've, I'm going to do it right. And I'm here. I'm going to be here. There's no pushing me out of here. So I need to take myself seriously in order for this arts community to, to see me in that same way. I think it was just that self-actualization of being like, you know what? yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm very much here for the long haul.
0: And I noticed that shift with you when you went to Chicago Mm. for sure. I don't know if that was around the same time of your Saturn's return. I'm assuming it was, but, Mm -hmm. but for me, it was I noticed it with you because I've been following you for many years. And honestly, I haven't told anyone. And I don't think I've even told you how much you sending me that candle meant to me and still means to me. I haven't burned it. I, I, know, I know that's the exact opposite purpose of those things. But, but I, I feel like there will come a time and a place where I need to. But right now, I'm like, no, there's so much going on right now in the space, in the art space, that it's not, it doesn't feel like the right time. Honest to God, like there's musicians that unfortunately are passing away. They're getting sick. There's this energy around the art space that isn't really being discussed Mm -hmm. given what's happening as to how many people, you know, have shifted. They have, people have shifted. People that I I knew Mm -hmm. that were performers and were musicians have shifted completely. So I don't feel like that candle is going to help me right now (laughs) because there's just too many people shifting in their own spaces, but Um, You know, uh, after seeing Julia at the, uh, what was it called again? The Latino Comics Expo. The Latino Comics Expo. um, She mailed me a candle to find bandmates because I saw it on her table and I was like, I need this. And (laughs) of course, I said it in a joking way and I did get stuff from her at her table. But it ended up being like, she sends this to me. And there was just something... I think the whole reason I haven't on top of everything else is that there's an energy there that feels very sacred to the point that I don't feel like I need to burn it. It's an artistic bond. And that's what I felt when I had it and I still haven't burned it. And my mom loved it. You know, she saw it and she's like, Oh man, we need to burn this someday. I'm like, no, (laughs) but it was because, you know, we laughed about the fact that it's, it's the constant cycle of of musicianship is trying to find Mm -hmm. a band, trying to find band members. But it was it meant so much to me, but it was sacred in a different way, more so than what I'm sure its intent was, because it felt like there was someone out there who understood me to my core and understood that that struggle as a woman, as an artist. I didn't tell you then, but I, I tell you now. Thank you. That was that was something for me that I've kept and has made me, you know, very endeared to you in, in a very clear way, because it's, there's something truly special there.
1: Thank you also for sharing that story. That's like so beautiful. But I mean, Veronique, I totally share the sentiment in that like when we met, there was like, it was so wonderful to meet your mom, to meet you, to like, we were both at certain parts of our careers at that time. And like, I see what you're doing and, and I, I really identify with it and I appreciate it. Like you're archiving culture in such an interesting way, like traditions from South Texas and such an interesting irrelevant way and I just saw that and I still see that and I think it's just those like tokens of camaraderie like I just I sent that to you as a token of camaraderie and I'm glad that it felt that way because that's what it was meant to do is to be like yo like whatever magic that I need to do to help you on your career I'm gonna do my freaking best because we're in this together you know
0: and it was interesting because after I got that candle I went through a complete reckoning of the soul Mm. And it was one that really made me dig deep into shadow work. It was the first time I'd ever experienced that. Now, I want you to explain to people what shadow work is, because I think a lot of people would think it's it's something super wild. Like, what are you talking about? And it's something very personal. It's something that does not just happen overnight. It is actually a lifelong process. I I almost kind of related a little bit to kind of like an insecure where, where Issa's talking to her mirror self. (laughs) And, and, and that is, that is the, that is a little bit of what shadow work can be at different phases of it. I think, I I think I have that, that vibe of it, but it's a little complex. So I'd like for you to try to explain it in layman's terms as best as you can, as best as you can. I know I'm, I'm, No, I mean, I'm so glad I watched Insecure (laughs) because I
1: totally, I love Issa talking to herself in the mirror so much. You know, I I don't use the term shadow work too often, right? And, but I think that's partially because I'm Gemini and like, I have multiple sides and it's like, what's (laughs) the mood that I'm in? Like, what am I going to try to avoid the bad mood or dig into that bad mood and try to understand Mm -hmm. why I'm feeling this way? If I'm in a bad mood, like, and for me, that shadow if that is what shadow work is because I'm still figuring these out this out too is like feeling something and taking a moment to try to understand why I'm feeling that what is triggering that and then trying to like pull that apart to, to have a better understanding of of myself as a person it's, I think shadow work there can be a lot of ritual that's involved in shadow work but I think for me personally shadow work is just being very aware of how I'm feeling and, and how my mood changes and why my mood is changed. It's just being very present in my body, in myself, in my psychic being, in my mental being, and my spiritual being, and my physical being. It's just being so having the time and space to feel and to be present in my body. That's for me, that's the beginning, the very beginning of shadow work of where it starts. And that alone takes a lot of work, you know, quieting the mind and I'm addicted to work. I'm a workaholic. Okay. Like I'm, that's part. And of course I've got a, parse through that like why is that and so for me slowing down is the hardest part of
0: shadow work for me is
1: slowing down
0: so did this particular time these these last two years Mm -hmm. really make you kind of unfortunately slow down or or were you just kind of like in an in-between kind of figuring out the new space
1: I slowed down but it was like it was a joy to slow down over these past two years I was able to feel a lot more like I and I feel like now because of the pandemic, I am so sensitive. So like, I have become so sensitive to other
0: people's energies to, uh. To the point where I'm like, yo, don't even, don't even get near me. <laughs> like, yo, oh, don't even, don't even touch me. Yeah. Don't, don't even look, don't breathe on me. You know what? Let's not share the same air. Yeah, sh- You know what? Share someone else's air. You
1: know, <laughs> and that's one of the things I noticed about moving to Chicago is like when I, before I moved to Chicago, strangers we would interact and and sometimes I would be you know they, they would touch me and not in inappropriate ways but I would be touched you know and I'd be like oh we're sharing energy it's cool when I moved to Chicago that changed I was like no no longer no no nobody is allowed to touch me in the week even if we're on the bus nothing no we're not exchanging that energy without like not just consent but I just I couldn't I think it's because Chicago's full of so many people so much energy
0: So many different, so many different walks of life. You don't know what they're, what they're bringing to the table. Like really, really, you don't know. And that's, and that's one of those things that as an artist, it's really crazy when you're dealing with people on stage, when you're dealing with people who enter your stage space um, and, and don't respect your stage space. Mm -hmm. And it's something that's very common. It's common for, for people to do that. It really is. So it's kind of funny that that can happen, but it's also like I perform Mm -hmm. and there's a performer space that I give you. And then there's the person and that it's always that line, that divide of like what is appropriate and what isn't. And yeah, the the pandemic really made it clear, like where, at least where I stood on the subject, where I stood on, on all of that.
1: Yeah. You know, I guess boundaries, right? Like becoming more familiar with my personal boundaries, pandemic has definitely... Highlighted what those are.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, about, like what you're curious about what?
1: <laughs> like, I'm curious about because I don't perform on a stage. I'm curious about like what is that space? What so yeah, how does that experience? What is that?
0: There's like it's almost like I tell people all the time that there's an autopilot that happens and there's a share of energy. And so I have to be very constantly aware of that exchange. And that's why afterwards I can feel like I'm like I'm on cloud nine, like I, I I'm buzzing, mm-hmm. like the energy is buzzing, and then I'm talking to people and and we're doing that. But there have also been adverse situations where I have been um, where someone has entered my stage space, where someone has attempted to grope and assault mm-hmm. me when they think I'm alone, not realizing that I am definitely trained. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. So, and, and it, then it takes that moment from me that high, and I have to like immediately flip a switch. And these are, these are exchanges of energy that can go from really positive to really negative. And I have to contend with what happens afterwards. And i was I was talking to a friend of mine recently about about an event that had happened. It was a concert, and that I was put to blame because of how I was dressed mm-hmm. for some gentleman getting on stage that had nothing to do with my band, yeah. but that because I was dressed strangely, that that's why they let him on stage. And it completely it it, it jacked up the vibe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, but of course me being a performer, the audience is engaged and they don't realize anything went wrong. Mm-hmm. So I'm tr- I'm riding that energy to get through that performance. Yeah. If the audience had felt something was wrong, I would have felt that energy, yeah, more so outside of what I was internally going through and had stopped the performance. Like I'm going to tell you right now, it would it would have actually just ruined it. And it's an energy exchange with people. Yeah. It really is. It's an energy exchange and it was interesting because my shadow work or internal internal work happened over the last three years, actually, no, I take it back. It happened over the last four to five years mm-hmm. because of my last um, my last relationship, my last really serious relationship um, that ended. And I was already in the process of doing something like it. I was journaling a lot. I was just writing top of dome, as whatever I was feeling, whatever was regurgitating out at that exact moment. So I was practicing that presentness And then when I would read back on it, I'd be like, yo, like I am, I am something else. Like there's, (laughs) there's, there's something seriously going on. And so I started to be more intentional. I started to meditate more, but then once the relationship ended and it, it ended mutually, it wasn't, it just wasn't working for either one of us, but there was some, some shady stuff going on there too. But i said, you know what, let's, let's just end this now. Both of he, you know, he said, look. I can't do this anymore. I said, okay, I completely respect that. Let's just, let's just end it versus trying to fix it. Let's just end it. And that's when the true reckoning of my shadow work began because then everything just started to get torn apart. I would try to date, it would go bad. I was living in San Antonio (laughs) and, and it was like, and it was like, yo, like I was trying to date and it was just going horrible. Mm -hmm. And I was attracting this kind of energy that eventually I just started to enjoy, finally, for the first time in my, my young adult life, I was finally starting to enjoy be by, being by myself. Yes, you know, men and women would come and go. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I was still myself. I was still very much intentionally with myself. And I'd have to reckon with myself. I'd have to reckon with these feelings and these emotions. And then I went to the hospital about two, no. I went to the hospital three different times within my stay in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And every single time I just kept thinking something's going on here. Like on top of the shadow work, the health was going crazy. Mm -hmm. So it was like, man, like this is really affecting my health. I'm there's something truly wrong and going on. And it ended up, you know, I created some of my best, my best introspective writing Um, which not all of it has come out yet. Some of it did. And and the rest is probably going to be coming out next year that I will say like really unlocked who I am as an artist and as a writer. And, you know, thankfully throughout the whole thing, I'm, I'm still, I'm a focused individual, a driven individual. (laughs) So the school stuff wasn't, wasn't phased by this. The other, the work stuff wasn't phased by this, you know, it was more personally because you, here's the thing that people don't realize and I think they don't acknowledge is that, look, I can be perfectly fine on the outside. I can cry at work and then pretend like nothing happened. And, and, you know, I can, I can put on the face, but when I get home and sit with myself, Mm -hmm. that's when the shadows come out. Oh yeah, That's when I have to reckon with it. So yes, your, your model employee, the employee that smiles and laughs and, and, you know, gossips and says the jokes (laughs) and does, and does the things that normal people do can be working through a set of demons that you have no clue about. And it's just the truth of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, Oh goodness gracious shadow work. I think it's a continuous journey. That's the, that's the thing about shadow work that I don't think it's talked about enough is that it's not just something you deal with for a couple months and then it's over. Now, once you open up that can of worms, You go from like top level to like deep, deep down into like familial, generational, like things that, that maybe you have never experienced in person, but things that were passed on from generation to generation. And then you like, so that's what I'm trying to reconcile with now is like, okay, who am I? What is my lineage? The people that I come from, what are the traumas that they carry that then have been passed down to me? And how do I like keep that from happening? You know, so shadow work is very complex. But absolutely, like that sitting with oneself and and trying not to block them out when they when they come knocking on the door that's that's the hard part, right, because like now we have access to so many things we've got access to technologies we've got access to substances, we've got access to everything
0: you know that i mean something something that I recently you know realized is like you have access to to technology to such a degree that i mean the positive and the negative of it is it ha- gives you access to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. The negative, it gives you access to a bunch of people. <laughs> it's literally both. Like yeah. I, 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 get it completely. Like I, I've tried my hardest to like get myself out of socials, mm-hmm. but it's hard because it's part of my work, yeah. it's part of what I do. Yeah. So it's kind of like, can I really be off social technically? Nah. Yeah. Can I try my best to be more intentional with my time? Mm. Heck Yeah. yeah. So that's the realism of it. Like if if your business requires social media, which some of us do, just be intentional with the time. That's what I'm learning now, being intentional with my time, what I give my energy to. Stop watching the damn trauma (laughs) porn. Yeah. Stop! Like, like you know what? She's dead. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, like, I know, I know. I I mean, I don't don't know what you're watching, but (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no! Like, like in the sense of uh, when I say trauma porn, I'm talking about these SVU, Law and Order Mm, SVUs. Got you, got you. These, these, like, these videos of like, and even people of color say this, like, these videos go viral of these of these, you know, racial attacks with good reason. Let me, let me say this again. All of these things go viral for a very good reason. But at the same token, people of color have been saying this, you know, Black people, Latinos, mm-hmm. every single person that has had a hate crime of some sort go viral have all said, this is my daily life yeah. and you are just giving it to me nonstop. Yeah. For you, it's a viral moment and you want to, you know, champion me. For me, I'm watching this and realizing that this is my reality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the truth of it. That's where you're like, yo, sometimes like it's so much easier in the, in the space of algorithm to have something negative be the spin than something positive, period. Yeah. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, t- I, I love that we're talking about technologies, Latinx identifying individuals, because I I think that's a space that we're still not excluded from, but not represented in as much as I see other other folks. Right. Yeah. And I see you doing that. You're very like, and I I love that you're sort of bridging the gap between like South Texas traditions and then like contemporary, like gamer contemporary online. Like, what does that look like now? What, like, what is, and I freaking, I love your, your, was it the La Pulga video where you're like, Mm -hmm. you're at the Pulga and you're, you're like doing this grease lightning So, you know, you're like, yes, that was exactly the
0: vibe. It was so cool. (laughs) It was a Mexican Greece. Like if we were allowed to do Greece, it would have been at the pulga. like for real. It was so
1: cool. But I love in the background, I can see everybody's like Dios, just sort of standing there being like, yo, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Like there's something about what you're doing that's so real and very meta at the same time. And I love. You're just like it's just so everything that's happening in the valley everything that's happening in RGB everything that's happening in Brownsville I think is like so important right now and I love that you're you're archiving that you're archiving a lot of what's happening that sentiment these traditions you know
0: And, and all of that really comes from this desire to be authentically myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It comes from this desire of trying to dispel the, the rumor or, because that's what they are. It's the rumors, myths, and legends of what we are Mm. here, that we have mountains. Girl, if we had a mountain, girl, I would not have gone To SPI to go spend my (laughs) spring break. I would have gone and been that little Mexican with my hiking boots (laughs) and just gone up a mountain. I cannot stand it. Like I could not believe like how many, how many videos, how much productions don't care about our area Mm. and just misrepresent it to such a point that it's just, it's gross. It's disgusting. And they like I had people from Dallas come down. They were great people. Yeah. Had a wonderful conversation with them. But then they're driving around. They're like, we were driving around and just we expected, like I said, I know what you expected. You expected a third world country. Oh, jail! You, expect, you expect and I wasn't being mean. Yeah. I'm like, I understand. Hmm. I understand you. You you come from this ideal. Yeah. Because mind you, Dallas is very far yeah, away. That <laughs> is, it is. Totally different place. It's a different world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different world. And, you know, over there versus here, like, if anything, Dallas, maybe a little bit of Austin too, has this sentiment of South Texas. That is like, we're war-torn. Mm. You know, there's gang violence everywhere. I'm like, the only gang violence is between La tacuaches and me. <laughs> and you know what? I will win, okay? <laughs> me and the possum will not take my elota today, <laughs> sir. Today is not your time. And I'm actually talking about a literal possum. Like, I'm not talking about any type. Uh, I just want to preface that. Oh my God. No, it's a for reals okay, okay. possum. Possums will come for your food, your life, and your cat like <laughs> yeah. okay so
1: that's different in corpus the possums will eat your cat's food with your cat like the possums and the cats are down together but okay things are different things are different in brownsville okay I'm to be careful when i go to brownsville
0: i know the duck watches are like yo you come on my side of the grass and then of course i run after them and they're like never mind i'm so sorry like it's it's wild like huh. um and, and the only reason I say this because yes unfortunately as a little kid I lost a few kittens to duck oh, watches oh I'm so sorry so, so no no but it's, it's a it's a reality like hello yeah. there's animals down yeah, there yeah. there's ocelots mm-hmm. like hello yeah. <laughs> but I find it really crazy that just that that misrepresentation of South Texas um is just so prevalent like the Selena Netflix series put mountains in Bronzeville
1: oh, shit. okay so I didn't even see that series I'm from freaking Corpus Christi too <laughs>
0: But i I didn't see it. I'm gonna be super honest. Okay, okay. I can't like i I didn't see it. I just saw the running screenshot mountains of of mountains as they're as they're driving past Bronzeville right. to go to Monterrey. But of course, like they filmed they didn't even film here. okay. I understand the pandemic and stuff, but they didn't film here. They filmed in California and okay. Baja California. Yeah. So like yo we don't have mountains figure out a way to get the, get rid of them that's not how our terrain looks like it was really wild what what they used to represent us i get why like i said it's pandemic they can they can only go so far to film but there's just it just didn't ring true to me that's why, you know, the big the big thing that went viral when the show came out was Las Montañas de Bronzeville. And guess whose face was like the leading champion of the mountains? Me. So I was like, I was like, give me my mountains, majesty. Give them to me. <laughs> and this, this goes back to me being an absolute deviant online and being a deviant with a purpose. Like, my purpose is to poke fun at these tropes that are not real about this area and then give you the reality. Yeah.
1: I guess I'm torn, right? Like, there's a series about the place that we're from, but we're not even interested in freaking seeing it. Isn't that like, that's so interesting? I figured, like, We would, I feel like in their heads, we would be the ones to be championing, championing the series. Like, yo, okay, this is what we're going to, we're going to make a series. Then the Latinx population is going to spread it on social media. It's going to go viral. Then we'll have entered the Latino market, right? But that didn't happen. There was something about that series that actually worked counter to their approach.
0: And I still say to this day, had they titled the show differently, Mm -hmm. like Selena y los dinos, Mm If they had just added the Los Dinos part, you would be surprised how their thematic for that whole show for what I I'm aware of, how the thematic went and just reading the plot points and, you know, seeing everything after the fact, not watching it. But I, I, I mean, my God, this stuff's there to read. I don't have to watch it. Yeah, it would have made the way they took the story a lot more palatable Mm -hmm. and a lot more understanding for why they put focus where they decided to put focus really, Mm -hmm. because they put focus on the family, which I get. And that's great. And the family's impact. But when you call the show Selena, Mm -hmm. the Netflix series, that's not what you're going in there expecting. You go in there expecting more stuff about Selena, not the family. That's not what you, that's not what you're putting out there, Mm -hmm. but it's, it goes back to the tropes. You know, it goes back to, you know, Latinx, Mexicans, Mexican-Americans, you know, they, they'll, they'll champion, you know, Selena and Hot Cheetos and, and uh, just put it on something and, and they'll buy it. That's the realism of it, yeah. is that they're, they're real quick to, to throw tropes like, oh, they all have accents. Oh, they like there's tropes that they they're so they're so deathly dead grip on it, that they don't realize that there's more complexity to the Latinx, Latino, and Mexican populations that are in the United States, immigrant and natural born. Have you ever been listening to a podcast and thought, yes, I can do that. Anchor by Spotify makes it easier for you to literally just do it by giving you everything you need all in one place without having to Google it. Here's how, as soon as you set up an account, Anchor gives you the tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So no flojera. As El Mero Mero Host on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more right after you finish recording and editing. Everything you need to make a podcast is all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. You heard me. Es gratis. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: You know, I think California has, all the various parts of California, have their own identities that are talked about as a, not a trope, but as like a concrete identity, like the Chicano movement that in California's history is huge. I'm thinking about Chicago, like the identity in Chicago of the Mexican-American community is huge. When talking about South Texas, I mean, I think Gloria Anzaldúa might be the one person that could possibly encapsulate those complexities. There's something so like mythical and I don't know how to explain it. There's something about South Texas that still doesn't feel very rooted as an identity according to the rest of the country, but it is just it's so rich. I don't know how to freaking explain it anymore, but it is so rich. Like it is its own people. South Texas is its own identity is its own complex experience of this Latino Latinx diaspora. South Texas like deserves its own, you know, like entry. I don't know. In the, in the diasporic conversation, it's like,
0: like I think um, the person who really, at least in my mind, really went above and beyond to, to explain it. And um, I want to make sure I, I get this correctly because I, I find her works really, really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to make sure I get her name right because she, so her name is Tanya Sarracho. Okay. And she was originally from uh, Reynosa McAllen. Mm-hmm. But if you do not know who this woman is, this woman is uh, the creator of the show Viva, And her experiences living in South Texas. I remember it to this day cuz somebody ended up telling me about her a quotable that she gave about her time in South Texas, especially McAllen, so that's deep South yeah, Texas and saying and saying that the reason that she attributes some some of her success for her push in the in the Hollywood scene in the Hollywood market, not just for Vida, but I mean, now she has a, she has a big deal with, uh, with stars, if I'm correct. Um, I'm so sorry, Tanya, if I'm wrong, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, she always says, you know, she, she wants to impact, empower Latino voices and stories, but she says that the, the reason that she really kind of figured out her identity is because The identity was there. It was never questioned. In other places, she even said herself, she's like, in other places outside of South Texas, there's always this question of your identity. Are you truly Mexican? Are you truly American? Like you have to prove yourself here in South Texas. That's not the case. It is so enveloping that you almost get to be in this creative bubble and discovery of who you are. But of course, you know, different people figure out their bubble in their own ways outside of South Texas. But that was her reason for her success. That South Texas really was where she rooted herself and then got to play and express and really be secure in her identity. And that's why she's successful. That's one of the reasons she's successful. Mm -hmm. And that always stuck with me because I never thought about it that way. I'm like... You know what? I, I remember going to Washington D.C. and and having a lady. Mind you, I was 15 years old, and or was it 15, 16? Some I was in my teens, and it was the first time I'd ever been questioned about my identity if I was actually legally here. Whoa! That was my yeah, and it, it was because I had. I unfortunately, you know, I'm 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 in my teens, and we're out on a school trip, out on a an out of state school yeah. trip, and somebody stole my purse. So first time I'd experienced that. But like I'm going to the DMV, and we're trying, we're all trying to figure out what to do. And lo and behold, because I need to get on a plane. So hello, ID. Yeah. And, um, and lo and behold, you know, that was my first experience. And then the teachers who are aware of what's going on, I wasn't aware. Like, it didn't dawn on me till later what was happening. But they got into a fight with the lady. Oh, dear. <laughs> like, not a verbal fight. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a verbal fight. Yeah, but yeah. they got into a verbal fight with the lady about how she was treating me. And then we left. But when I sat back and thought about it, I'm like, man, a lot of the times I have diminished my identity for other people. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until that last relationship ended that I was able to finally sit in the bubble and really explore and sit in my identity and be able to accept it in a loving way. It was always a part of me, Mm -hmm but it's accepting it in a loving way that makes sense. And that's, a, that's hard sometimes for people like to be like, oh, you know, you, you wanna be the best Mexican that you can be, but then you wanna be the best American you can be. And you're constantly exhausted with trying to be both at the same time when you have to realize that your, your situation and your identity is very unique to you and your upbringing.
1: Absolutely. And I will say though, being away from home for so long, makes it even more complex, right? Like everything that I remember about home, whenever I visit now, everything's changing, right? Like, so I have strong roots in Corpus Christi, but now when I visit, which doesn't happen as often as it used to, it's like, whoa, having to re-remember everything and, and examine everything that's changing. And, and it's a lot. And so I think that's one of the, like, I think you... Talk and I and that's one of the reasons why good Press, that why I started it was because I, I really needed to remember where I was from and remember the practices and be in conversation with home in a way that I was really missing. And so now that I've been out of that conversation for a couple of years, I'm I'm missing home, Veronique. Like I am so missing cruising around Corpus Christi and I miss you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I miss the sense of humor, I miss the food, I miss the cool ass people, I miss like, yes, not having to freaking defend where I'm from every freaking day with every encounter with someone who's Latino. Like there is where I'm from. It feels so good to be in a place where I'm from. Like there will never be another feeling like that. You know, I've been enough places where I know I'm not from there, but to be back into the place where I am from, there's nothing like that feeling, man. Nothing like, yo, you can't tell me I don't belong here because I was born and raised here. You know, like I am this place, motherfucker. You cannot, Tell me that I'm not good enough. That I'm not brown enough. That I'm not white enough. Like this is my home. I'm like get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Please leave. Yeah. You have to go away. <laughs>
0: and, and I think it goes back to that energy thing. Like now, it's unfortunate to say, but I think we set the bar really low for ourselves mm-hmm. in in interactions and engagement with people that we would tolerate prior to you know the shutdown. Yeah. And and prior to being isolated, yeah. and I think that was the thing. I don't think people realized that they were having to do shadow work with themselves. Like people who got into marriages and into relationships Ooh. without oh. any kind, oh. uh, without <laughs> any kind of you know real true togetherness and oneness. Yeah. You know, the people got divorced, people broke up, people realized, hey, you are not the person I want to spend a spend a possible end of days with. Yeah. Like like, that was the reckoning. And it was like, yo, what do I want in my life? Where do I want to be in my life? You know, I was, I was still single as all of the pandemic stuff is going on, dealing with my own health journey. Like I'm, I was going to the hospital for the exact opposite of COVID. And so like, I was alone. Yeah. I was alone. And, and I was just like, yo, like all these people that I tolerated, all these Anglo men that I tolerated, oh, like absolutely oh. tolerated, tolerated. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not acknowledging any of you. We didn't date. We were just acquaintances. So <laughs> these acquaintances, I absolutely tolerated because I wanted to be like them. And that was the that was the harsh truth I had to come to realization with is that I wanted to Anglic- Anglicanize myself that I started to, that it was fighting. It was fighting with the artist and it would always fight with the artist. That's why the relationships would never last. Mm-hmm. I was engaged three times and, and all three folks, all bolillos, mm-hmm. it would not work. And it was because their, their identity for who I actually was, despite saying, Oh baby, I, I accept you. I love you. I love your culture. I, I you know, I want to be more blah, 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 blah. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there isn't somebody like that who is genuine. But unfortunately, I was picking the wrong dudes. <laughs> I was Sorry straight up. Color. I was I'm was straight. No, it's funny as hell. I was, I mean, it, there was a, a show that I watched. It was a dating show. I think it's like uh, something dating a millionaire or something. And it was this one chick. And she goes, your pecker's doing the picking is what she would tell the dude. Mm-hmm. And it's not like here, like you really need to assess what's going on. Stop picking with your, with your sexual organ, start picking with how you're feeling and where your head is at. Because, and of course for her, it's like these people own millions of dollars. They can't be, you know, if they wanted, if they wanted somebody like that, they could easily get somebody like that. They have the money for it, Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the point. And that's where I was like, yo, like, Unfortunately, as crass as it sounds, my pecker was doing the picking and it was all wrong. <laughs> I w- it was all wrong.
1: I mean, yeah, COVID has, I've been single throughout COVID and yeah, there have been some really hard times. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Lonely ass nights. Oh my God. But getting through that, it was, oh God, they were lonely around me. Like it was just like <sighs> painful. But I, now that I've gotten through those lonely ass nights, it's not that they don't exist anymore. I am the most stable and the most comfortable with myself that I've ever been, you know? And I, and now I'm not picking the first prince that comes around the corner Now I'm waiting. I'm like, Hmm, are you cool? Like, can you, you have a good, son-? you know, can you hang, humor. <laughs> can you hang, can you pay for
0: dinner? Guys? No, yes. <laughs> express your intentions, express actively what you desire. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, and even yes, I'm Gordon Flona and what? Yes, buy me the freaking elote and vaso, sir. Large, what's wrong with you? No shame. No, yeah, yeah. Come on
1: now. Small, Excuse no you. you,
0: this date's over. Um, I would like my small <laughs> elote and vaso and you can drive me home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: COVID really did a lot of purging. Not just of my
0: oh, friends, to who I thought Lord. were my friends, right? Like who I think drained me. It's that active, it's that active participation. It's that active Uh participation of energy sharing. You do it with your friends, you do it with yourself, you do it Mm -hmm. with family. And sure as hell, like friends, it was just like, yo, it, it goes back to what I said. It's like, you really start to figure out how you were picking people around your space. And then once they go away, you're super chill. Like... I would like to say this really bluntly right now, because I have been through abusive and awful relationships, which were never in the public eye, which were never expressed publicly. Thank the Lord. Yes, I'm expressing it here because I feel safe enough to do so. And at some point, if I feel like it, I'll say more. But if you listen to my music, I think you'll catch the drift. Because I've written a bunch of songs and I've picked songs that matched, unfortunately, with the mental states that I was in. And sure. that love, true, deep love is not painful. It mm. does. You know what? Corinthians is right. Corinthians is right. What Corinthians so is I'm gonna look it up right now. Love is pa- <laughs> love is patient. <laughs> love is I kind. Really- Love does not cause hurts. It's not supposed to be painful, y'all. It's not supposed to be a telenovela in four parts. It's not. (laughs) Somebody is not going to burn at the end of it, yo. (laughs) Like in a fire or in jail. Like, that's not how that works. This toxico, toxica mentality, as funny as it is. I will acknowledge it is hilarious as hell. But that is not love, if that is the relationship that you are in, but you are unhappy and that's how you relate to your partner, that is a whole different animal between you, Jesus, and the wall, because I am not a psychiatrist, nor do I, nor do I want any of those calls, but it's just, that is not how it's supposed to be. But I think we have this mentality, unfortunately, whether it's online dating or whatever, that it's supposed to be fameful. Yo, if he ghosts you, let that man go. Let that For man real. go. Like I I had to learn For it the hard real. way. He was dating a dude out of Houston. Absolute toxic mess. Toxic mess. I'm sorry, Houston. I still love you. But one but one of y'all fools out there just was a toxic mess. <laughs> <laughs> and just was absolutely awful. And I knew he was shady and I knew he was up to no good, but I just, I, I turned, yeah. I turned, the, I turned a cheek, turned a cheek, mm-hmm. kept it very vague, kept it very chill. For what purpose? Not a good one. I, th- I, I, I think I wrote a few songs out of that, but that was about it. And I realized, cause my producer ended up talking to me one day and he goes, you can sing the blues but you don't have to live it. Whoa. Whoa. That's a dope producer. And he's watching me go through all this shit. And he goes, you can sing the blues, but you don't have to live it. Let this man go. And literally I, I, uh, I talked to the dude from time to time, but then eventually it just, I realized it was just exhausting. Some people are just straight up exhausting. This man was one of them. Um, And many, many folks, not just men, but many folks can just be exhausting. And love, familial love, friendship love. I like to, I like to preface this again, that, yeah, I was talking about romantic, but I mean, any kind of loving relationship is not supposed to be difficult. Yes, we all have problems. Yes, we all struggle. But it's not supposed to be difficult.
1: Absolutely. And I'm, I'm personally convinced that everyone is in the relationship with the wrong person. Most everybody is in the relationship with the wrong person. Please free them up so we can find ours and you can find yours. <laughs> Please free them up so we can find ours and you can find yours. Okay, like let them go. If it's not working, just let them go. Quit it so we can all find our, our respective love. Or just let, let
0: them go so that, I don't know, they can go on a boat and just never bother any of us.
1: That too, shoot, they want to disappear. That's like why.
0: for real, some of these folks just should not be in a relationship. They make they make <laughs> April fools out of all of us. <laughs> um, not not me, no <laughs> not me, not me, no more practicing. <laughs> so I'm curious about because this is a practice of intention. This is truly a practice of intention, mm-hmm. and I'm curious what your thoughts are on setting active intentions. Because that's been interesting lately because, yes, you can set an intention. You can set an intention for a year, a month, three months, five years, however long. But there's a difference between just writing it down and saying it and then actually actively setting an intention. The active act Mm -hmm. of setting the intention. And so what are your thoughts on that?
1: I do believe... I think writing is very powerful. Speaking is very powerful. I think making space to acknowledge what you or what I want for some circumstance, for some foreseeable future. But we're like at the very beginning of this new year, of course, I'm thinking about my intention for 2022, for sure. I've already like written it down. I've already talked about it. And on New Year's Eve, I usually do like a pretty elaborate ritual to be like, okay, sitting with myself, respecting this year, honoring it now it's time to like think about what do I need to do to plan for 2022? I think active intention involves some sort of labor, you know, and I think I've never been averse to labor and neither have you, Veronique, like I see you out there freaking working and doing your thing and I respect labor, I respect work so much. I think the difference between passive intention and active intention is that exertion of labor, either exertion of labor or sacrifice, like sacrifice of of time, sacrifice of money, sacrifice of like pleasure. There's usually some form of sacrifice for me involved with my intention setting. And in, in this case, it's been a lot of pleasure. I've been sacrificing a lot of pleasure. Yes. I can get on Tinder <laughs> anyone I want. Do I? No, I don't. Okay. So that's for me, that's how I see active intention setting.
0: And pleasure can also be, Hey, you don't go out to drink. Hey, you don't call uh-huh. up that booty call hey maybe maybe take some i don't know maybe take some time to go to the gym express it express it eat eat an orange
1: orange.
0: (laughs) 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 oh (laughs) my god Uh, i mean even so far (laughs) i'm gonna accidentally make you spit that that coke right through your nose (laughs) just boost Uh, i'm just gonna add like an emoji to this part like just shh (laughs) <laughs> but active active intention yeah it does require sacrifice It requ- and I will say this that doesn't mean lose sleep because that sometimes gets, gets twisted too where you say oh well that means I should sacrifice my sleeping that I should sacrifice my I should sacrifice oh, I my know. time with my family or my friends or my kids nah fam everything in balance there is a balance and yeah. honest to god you're not going to be good at it at first. You're going to be absolute shit with balance. But if you go in there going, Hey, I'm going to try my best this week to be the best version of myself and to actively give my body what it's asking and my heart and my soul, what it's asking, then your active intentions become really, really powerful then passive intentions, which is like, oh, I'm going to write this and then I'm just going to like look at it every once in a while. It's why a lot of the times when people do like these collages, a lot of the times it works because, or, or they write, but they have it somewhere they visually see every single day because it's like I wake up in the morning. I see it wherever it is. I, I go somewhere and it's there. It's in front of me. It's reminding me every single day that I need to be presently acting on it. Passive is like, Oh, I wrote it. Or you tell people online that you did it, or you maybe you did, or you thought it in your mind, whatever. And it's not, it's not truly, um, it's not going to come to fruition. And then you have those people who are bitter. Well, you know, 2022 is my year. Well, 2021 is my year. Well, 2020 is my year. Well, girl, what year is your year? Are are we year of the ox? Are we year of the ram? What's going on? Where, where are we?
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I mean
0: taking responsibility
1: is also a big part of it is like taking responsibility for okay why am I feeling like this is it something that I have done is it is it the way I'm living my life is it you know and that's I think that's really that's one of the toughest things and I always have to reconcile with that you know because even though I work all the time doesn't mean that I'm working in the right direction all the time um so yeah taking responsibility for this exact moment in time that you are living that I am living is is also very, very important.
0: Now, going from, what would you suggest for people going from, you know, passive and try, and not seeing those results that they want to going into active intentions? What, what would you say would be things that you would recommend if that is the direction you're trying to go in, act, in creating an active intention for a month, for a year, whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to, to pursue in your, in your personal life?
1: I don't think there's a right or wrong way of setting an active intention. I think that setting the intention by doing something by accompanying it with something that you truly love makes the most sense. So if you love to smoke a damn joint, write your intention, smoke the joint, think about it, you know, like spend some time with your herb. If that's, if that's maybe your process, the way I would do it is I would freaking, I would write it out. I would talk it out with myself. I play a song that I like, and then I would dance, right? Like I would, celebrate or something that would maybe activate these intentions in some way. Finding whatever process is truly, it truly vibes with you. Finding your, there's no right or wrong way. Just let it vibe. Let it feel powerful to you. Whatever feels powerful to you, I think is the right way. It doesn't matter if it looks r- ridiculous to other people. Be as ridiculous as you want to be. Like that's the most beautiful thing about ritual is that they're all very personal. There is no right or wrong way. I honestly don't believe that. Um, just, Really listening to the things that, that you need to activate the intention. Listen to that. Have fun with it. If it's cook a meal, if it's eating, I don't know, eating the fortune after you get it from your fortune cookie, that's what I do. I do it. I ingest the fortune because then I'm like, okay, that's it. Really just listen to yourself and have fun with the ritual. I think that's really the only way to get into it.
0: And that's something that's interesting as modern curanderismo has has evolved from where it was to where it is now at the current generation is that modern curandarismo honors the 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 path prior, but then also is is doing this it, it's saying there is no right way as long as you're acknowledging your ancestors, acknowledging your history and then and then creating something from it that feels genuine to you so and a lot of the work that you do isn't, isn't definitely what I would consider traditional curanderismo. But I, I would like you to kind of go into, into your practice, into, into how you got there. How did you get into the practice that you, that you're currently in and how did you start? I
1: mean, I grew up in South Texas, so I feel like curanderismo is just a part of the natural landscape. Like it's just a part of the region. Like everyone's grandma or everyone's tia was like doing cleansings of some sort. Like that's just, It's there. It's It's Wevo time in a
0: lot of homes.
1: (laughs) Yep, it's always Wevo time. I grew up also with a couple, a Tejano couple, Mariana Dan Perez, and I always shout them out because they raised me. They truly raised me. And Nana, Mariana, or Mary Perez, Nana is what I would call her. Her mother was a curandera. And so she took me to Botanica's when I was growing up. And she was just running errands, right? But I, that was the first time that I was exposed to like all of these alternative spiritualities, alternative spiritual icons, products, processes. And so I think going to the botanica really early, really started my journey of like, what are these things? What are these magical things? And of course, as a kid, I, of course I would latch on to that. And so it started then. And my family didn't necessarily pass on a whole lot of cultural traditions to me. So I would go to the library and research like my culture and the crafts and the arts. And, and that's when it started was like in research, in libraries. I was a kid too. And so I would just do all this independent study and try to understand who I was in this context of South Texas and everything that was going on around me.
0: It's interesting that you said they were just doing errands. It was literally something that was part of their day-to-day life to go mm-hmm. to the Botanica to engage in that space because people think like, Oh my God, they see it from the outside, just regular people who aren't aware of the cultural significance of it. And they think, Oh my God, like the witchcraft star, like, Oh, what are we doing here? There's brusheria here. And, (laughs) and it's just like, yo, like your grandma, your aunt, your uncle, like they're just going in there as if it's like going to the store to get toilet paper. Like it's literally that, yeah. ba- and it's it's not saying anything mean. It's literally that basic. It's part of the basic yeah. life. And that's something that I that it gets such a bad rap for. It's like, oh my God, there's brujeria in there. No, girl, it's just, you need to chill. <laughs> you need to chill. You do not know anything. And it's one of those things that new age Christian Catholics, it, it's so interesting. How they're like, oh my God, El Ojo, El Ojo, <laughs> <laughs> take that necklace off. It has El Ojo on it. And I'm like, <laughs> do you even know what it means? You should not be saying that. It's the it's the God. You know what? The Lord created all of us in his image. The Lord created all of us in his image. That means I am the same image as you. We are the same in God's eyes. And you're sitting here being absolutely yeah. trashy. And it it's just, it's the <laughs> sense of entitlement. It's the sense of, you know, curanderismo was the best way for me to reconcile my catholicism when catholicism mm. caused me pain. That's fascinating.
1: That's fascinating. I didn't grow up catholic, so that I would love to hear more about that. But curanderismo th- for me and maybe a little bit of brujería too really helped me empower myself as like a young teenager. Like I felt like for the first time I had control, some oh, yeah. level of control over like where I could go in the future. You know, I could burn a candle in case I was feeling jealous for this like dumbass <laughs> person that I was seeing when <laughs> I was 14. You know, like I would burn candles, I'd be like, yo, I need help because I'm jealous, right? And they'd be like, okay, we got you.
0: And there's a um, sense of peace. There's a sense just, of energy that comes mm-hmm. and it I say it again, is there's a sense of energy that comes from fire. Cause at the end of the day, it is mm-hmm. in a in a sense, fire magic. And there's energy that comes with it. There's energy that is imbued in it from when you put the intention to when it receives back to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there was something about curanderismo that wasn't, it wasn't medical, right? It didn't happen in the doctor's sphere. That was too expensive for me, right? Like I could never afford traditional doctors, but I could afford the botanica. I could afford the herbs or I could pick the herbs or I could, curanderismo was not only affordable, it was accessible, You know, and it's always been accessible. And so that's, and I think that's one of the reasons why I shut down Curandera Press, too, is because the products were getting to be expensive. You know, it took a lot of time and labor, and it was no longer accessible. And so I was having to reconcile with, like, okay, who am I making this for? Why? And. I think it's time to shut down,
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and there's some really amazing, you know, um, women that I follow that are, I don't know if they would consider themselves curanderas, but they're in the, in the craft. Um, Lilith Labyrinth is one really amazing, amazing woman out of, mm. out of California. And, um, and and you and, and a bunch of others that are, that are in the practice of it. Um, brujeria girl, a bunch of other women, um, I'm trying to remember this other one that I, that I follow who's on, uh, who's on Instagram. Yvette actually is another one that like they, there's a sense of, you know, they're all on their own journeys and it's so interesting because they're all different. But yet at the same, mm-hmm. at the same moment, the core of, of their practice is very clear as to who they are and what they stand for. And yeah, when it, when it comes to curanderismo, yeah, it was the bridging gap for me on, on how to reconcile my Catholicism. It was, mm. it, it was the best way to, to figure out my otherness with the religion because I felt other mm. in how I understood the world and how I engaged with the world because I'm very empathic and I'm very emotional and, and things r- really hit me hard emotionally. They just do. I, I can't, I can't explain it other than maybe it's because I'm an artist. Maybe it's because I'm so engaged in these energies um, within myself and, and with others that I can feel when things are, are off or, or wild. And so when I was in mm-hmm. the, the institution, did I feel devout? Did I hear spirits? Yes. I I'm gonna be super honest. I was, I was the most, I read the Bible from cover to cover. I have had long, lengthy philosophical conversations and theological conversations with people. Like, just because I'm not out here trying to quote the Bible to you doesn't mean I don't know it. Doesn't mean I don't understand it. I understand it on such a level that you would not even believe. But is it is it going to dictate my whole world? No, because I've had enough time to read, you know, Buddhism books and the Quran and and all these other religious text made by man, but for some reason they all have this very clear line between all of them of similarity. And that's where I see God. I see God in the mm-hmm. fact that every single one of these religions, while yes, very different because of the regions that they represent, all have this one string of truth, this one, these lines that just match each other up. And it should be weird. It should call into question, you know, your faith and your practice, but it it became to a point where I could, I could understand my grandmother. I could understand my family better through the act of being in the space and practicing in the space. Now, am I out there healing people's all whole and stuff? No, I I keep that very, I keep that very close. (laughs) And so it's interesting that you say it wasn't accessible but do you ever think that it was because it was starting to not become a practice and more a business? Mm,
1: but don't you keep calling me out. Um, I think absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and that's one of the reasons why I, I jump around so much in my businesses is because they no longer start fulfilling. Like there was some, there was every one of my businesses fulfills me spiritually to a certain point. And then it becomes like, there's like the path to freedom or the path to profit. And I'm always choosing the path to freedom, right? And I'm happy with that choice, but one day it would be nice to figure out a path of freedom that leads to profit. Oh, I don't know if that's heck awesome, yeah. That heck don't. yeah.
0: Think so? I, I okay, think, cool. Cool. I think so only because of my experience. I'm not saying I'm the richest person in the world. Absolutely not. Give me money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Cash app, Venmo. PayPal, <laughs> girl, I have an Amazon wish list. You want to buy something like, like anyone, anyone listening? Like, <laughs> le- let's be clear. I am not the next, I am not Jeff Bezos. I am not Beyonce. I, am, uh, no, I no, mean, really. <laughs> I know you, but it's not. like, look at me, look at me in my red hair. I, I pay a lot of money to keep it up. But in um, the real, the truth of it is there is, it's just, I see it in striking my own path. And, and doing mm-hmm. things my way. Because if anything, I see people like Beyonce, you know, the, yes, she she worked really hard. But she's doing things her way. She has that leverage mm-hmm. to do that. And that's the thing. It's once you have the leverage, they can't take it from you. They can try. Oh. They can try. Yeah. But it, it becomes really difficult. And so, yes, I, I truly believe that there is a path to have freedom and profit. Now, there will always be... Like we said earlier, there'll be things you have to kind of give up, but Ooh. at the end of the day, it's still on you. It's what you feel comfortable giving up at that point. Nope. Now it's not someone else dictating to you what your freedom, what like the gives the, you're like, Oh, these are all the things you're going to give up. Ah, oh, no, fam. Get, get out of here. Get out of here with that piece of paper. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> then it starts becoming, okay, what am I willing to be like, okay, I'm, I will give this up if I get this then it becomes an equal exchange. Then you're practicing the true alchemy of equal exchange. And when you're starting to practice the true alchemy of equal exchange in business and the soul, you will be profitable.
1: Damn, here we go. Profit prophesizing. And that is beautiful to hear. And, and I am still in search of that. And I, I too believe in that. I think sometimes I'm like, is that possible? But, but you're right. Thanks for reinstilling that into my mentality. I think also it gets hard to profit from a cultural discourse. For me, it was hard for me to profit from the cultural discourse of like curandera press just because there's no, there's no ownership, you know, like not that I had any intention to own that conversation, but thinking about business and, and for me commodifying aspects of curanderismo, it just didn't, it didn't seem like the path that I wanted to take. But you're right, I'm still in search of that freedom, fruit-bearing path. And I'll find it. I'm on my way there.
0: I mean, in my eyes, maybe, of course, everything's different from the eyes of other people. As much as I loved Curandera Press, I truly understand why its bigger purpose is not to be profited from, but to be a learning lesson to other people in the community and the culture. And that's why going back to the beginning of, of what we discussed, you know, you archiving it has such a large impact larger than probably you realize at this moment in time and that is a choice that is you doing the alchemaic work actively whether these people pick it or not there's there's someone else that that's the beauty of it there is someone else that can see the beauty of what you're doing but yet wants to preserve it realizes the monetary value of that preservation for a higher purpose I know that's hard to reconcile. I know that's hard to reconcile. But all those years of work, there is monetary value to it. At the end of the day, you know, you want something to show for it. And sometimes, yes, a little bit of money, but a lot. I mean, a little <laughs> bit of money. But at the end of the day, the bigger picture is that you are the conversation in it. That is, that's a conversation and a space. Your name will be remembered. There is a legacy outside of childbearing that you have left for future children. You are literally raising other children on that content.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's such a beautiful way to put it because I very much do feel like my create, like my creations, even if they're businesses, if they're just pieces of artwork, I do feel very much like I'm birthing them and I'm not a mother, like a biological mother. Um, But it does feel very much like a birthing process. So thank you for recognizing that. And and that was just such a beautiful way to put it. Totally appreciate that. And yes, I do love making money. <laughs> I love making money. But, you know, sometimes it's just nice to step back from a project and, and let it be. I am okay with calling thing, things quits. I am okay with not dragging out the relationship past its overdue time. You know, And, I and feel that's like-
0: such a power of self-love. That's such a mm-hmm. healing power of self-love with your art. You know that little emoji, the little wallet with the little wings on it just flying away? That's me right now. I'm the advertiser. This is an ad for me. Veronique, go listen to my album. I have two out right now, Crying and La Novela off of Next Gen Latinx Records. All jokes aside, please go listen to the music on your favorite streaming platform or buy it online at VeroniqueMedrano.com. And I mean it. Go listen to it. Go so listen to it at your mom's house. Because, I mean, if you don't listen to her, at least listen to me. And that's been your paid ad. I have to ask, you know, when you've birthed the thing and then you let it go and have a life of its own, like some of your other businesses, maybe not just Grand The Depressed, but like, let's just say when QVTC, you know, you're, you're ready to, to put that into its own space. What does it feel like? When, when those, when those chapters are starting to creatively just be like, okay, this is where it is. I'm good. You're good. We're good.
1: I mean, it feels very much like a, like a, not necessarily a romantic relationship, but like, like a relationship with a living being, you know, like you sort of look at each other one day and are like, damn, this doesn't feel good anymore. This actually is exhausting. Like we were talking about those sort of relationships that are not reciprocal. It stops being reciprocal. I don't get up in the morning and feel drawn to it. I, You know, it is very much like a human relationship. But the beauty of closing the chapter is that then I get to be on another path again. I'm on that road again. And there's, and, uh, Veronica, I'm, there's like always a million ideas in my head all the time. So it's not like I'm searching for the idea. It's already there. And that's what happened with Corandera Press is I already had another press running. And Corandera Press just opened while I was running this other press. It just had to. I had to do it. And that's what happens is like, just because I closed a chapter on one doesn't mean that there's not a whole nother idea brewing behind this.
0: Now, right now, where are you currently at? And what are you currently doing?
1: I am currently in Waterville, Maine. Um, I never thought I'd be in Maine, but I'm in Maine.
0: With the lobsters and and all the
1: crustaceans. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. There's trees, it's cold, (laughs) and people are pretty nice. Didn't expect, you know, it's all right. I'm currently an artist in residence at the Lender Institute for okay. American Art. So, like right now, I'm spending a lot of time making visual artwork and being a professional artist, and that feels freaking good. I feel good.
0: <laughs> and I, se- I see you know. that glow. I see that glow. I see that that shine on you. It's it's just it's emanating. Just boom. Boom, boom, boom. And it, it's beautiful to see. It really is. It's just like And this is where I kind of want to want to dive into the power of art and healing the soul. Mm. Now, being an artist in residence, do you feel now that your art is healing the maybe the little cracks or the little spaces in your soul that maybe didn't have a space to be before?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, making art is. It's kept me so very alive and not just surviving, but vibrant and thriving. And it's like, I'm making my own visual language, the language that I can understand. I'm I'm expressing myself in the ways that maybe I can't express to others. I can't express to others through words. It feels so good to be able to express myself in this way. That's pure. That's honest. That's me. And I I just, I feel very alive in that way. It is healing me.
0: And how would you express to others who, are wanting to delve in that space, but don't feel confident in their skill.
1: Unfortunately, like most things, it takes time because I too was unsure for a long time when I was 17, 18. There were times when I was like, crap, should I be here? Is this, am I supposed to be here? But um, that's the tough part is getting through that moment when that questioning happens. Um, And I don't know exactly how to do it other than you just do and you keep making you keep making you keep making and the beautiful thing about artwork and being a human is that you evolve you change and so being open and receptive to these changes and perspective I think is what will get you through those times of doubt listening to your favorite song I think does wonders dancing does wonders but I think deep down you know I think you know that you're there for a reason and your voice is important even if you feel like it isn't, it's so very important. And it's okay to ask for help. I think asking for help, asking for support is really important. Even even when you don't feel like like you're on the right path. Talk to people about it. Even people that you don't think you have access to, like other artists. Famous people sometimes. <laughs>
0: Call, call me everybody. up I try I might be asleep but I try <laughs> and it's funny you say that because recently I was having a bit of like a, a turmoil situation and I had talked with some people and they had reached out to me and then I said you know what you know what I need a I need a voice call I, I'm I'm not gonna do this mm-hmm. this shit over text I, I need to I need I need to hear their voice mm-hmm. I, I need to hear their voice and and uh, and have some type of engagement and figure out whether my head's in the right place. And it was late and I was worried about sending those messages off. And I messaged four people because I wasn't assuming everybody was awake. And two of them got back to me and I was on the phone with them for, for a few hours. And it was like, Mm. That's where I say the beauty of technology is, is, is the fact that you have access to people. And then the bad part is you have access to people. (laughs) But this is where the beauty part of it is very present because I, I felt like I was just some bumpkin really from South Texas, like all the way down on the, on the tip of Texas. Like these people are like, yo, I just, I just talked to you once. Like, (laughs) like, no, (laughs) (laughs) but they answered and there was just true. There was true beauty to it. There was a sense of peace that came over me, and I realized quite quickly how how I knew and how much I'd grown because I wasn't chasing for the conversations with people who really wouldn't understand my headspace because that was my problem too, is I would do the mm-hmm. absolute wrong picking of talking with people who absolutely could not give me their bandwidth and their bandwidth wasn't there for what I was doing. And they would give me the wildest advice. And I'd be like, why did I call this person? Like I should have known better. And yet these people, like my circle's a lot smaller and a lot tighter with every good reason because I'm at a different level. And they tell you like, Oh, the, the higher you go, the less people that are around you, it's for a reason. Because some people's energy bandwidth is literally an energy vampire. They are literally there to take every good, anxious, whatever feeling you have. Honestly, they're taking every good feeling or or whatever feeling that you're giving them and then notching it up to a negative place by 10. Because they've already taken that, that energy that you've given them and they're like, ooh, whether, and it's tantalizing to them and they figure out ways to poke at you and, and they know, they know how to do it because you've given them that access. And once you take it away, mm-hmm. it's like, what do they have? I've, I've literally watched people slowly recede because the energy that I was no longer giving, like it was, it stopped. Suddenly they weren't talking to me anymore. It's like, ah, that's what it took. That, that's what this took. And so when I was in that space, I'd realized how much I'd grown. I'd realized how much a sense of community and, and, and peace that I'd given myself in these last four years of hospitalization and pain and shadow work is that I, I finally came to be, to be one with me, the good and the bad.
1: I mean, you bringing up immediate community is so relevant to that, like times of doubt. Right, like I, I think when I think back to the times when I was most doubtful of myself, it it is because the community and the people that I was keeping around me were not the right people. Right, I didn't have the people that were supporting my journey in the way that I needed to. Um, Maybe we were partying, we were having a good time, but deep down, I really wanted to focus on my career when other folks just wanted to have a good time. So, taking a minute to evaluate, like, okay, hold on, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's like the environment that I'm in also is not where I need to be. you're very right. You're very right. I think it took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that people, some people were just around me because I made them feel good. Right. And I think as creatives, we make people feel alive, (gasps) We inspire people. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Trying to choose my company, not because I make them feel good, but to find company that reciprocally, we make each other feel good, supported. We inspire each other. It's not just a one-way ticket where I'm constantly pumping out ideas and 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 great vibes. No, it has to be reciprocal. Now it's not. You know, I'm not just there to entertain and party. Even though I can. All right. Woo. Um,
0: (laughs) We can woo like the next person. Okay. Woo. Woo. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's not. You know,
1: those times of doubt and those times of just starting on a career path, finding your group of people that will take you seriously as a creative is really important. That is like make or break style. I, I
0: kind of, I, and I know like I relate it to people who are super huge. So let's just say Beyonce, there's a reason why her space is so small. The creatives mm-hmm. that she engages with are so small. And, and, you know, she, mm-hmm. she reaches out to people outside of her space, but she's very intentional about who is in her space. You know, um, mm-hmm. this the gentleman recently passed. Oh my God. He was, uh, oh, he was a, uh, a designer i'm trying to remember his name yes virgil um, virgil? Virgil,
1: Abloh? Virgil, oh, virgil
0: like look at his like listen to him listen to what he's saying he is mm-hmm. super intentional on his words on his actions people can go crazy on him online but he was still again access to people Sometimes it's a negative, but he used that in such a way that he didn't let that deter him at the space that he was in. And to the point that he created such a lasting legacy that even in his very sudden passing things, you know, people are like, yo, this man has a very clear legacy for other designers and other creators. But when you think of these people with very larger than life spaces, they're really not that huge. They're very small, Mm -hmm. very intentional because not everyone is on the bus for the same reason. They are not there for the same ride. Some of them are literally there passing through till they get to their next stop. And sometimes you have to force them off.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. You have to say, Hey, you got to go. You got to go.
0: My, you know, it was nice knowing you, but you have got to go. And and that's hard. I get it. It's hard because you develop relationships, you develop, you develop a mm-hmm. connection, but not every connection is a good one.
1: Absolutely. Especially if we're going to talk about like trauma bonding connections, they're real, they're very human. And especially in our digital, like technological age, it's hard to decipher sometimes between a connection and a good one, like just a connection, but a good connection, something that's healthy. It's really...
0: Yeah, because a lot of the times, like you can feel very strongly about people. And trust me, there's some people that are just so intense with their energy that it feels like something. But ooh, those are the dangerous ones. Those are the super dangerous ones, because those are the, in, in essence, they're the wild card. They could be the thing that brings you the most joy and success, or they can be the thing that brings you to the absolute pits of despair and the pits of of just absolute chaos. And that's just the nature of the game. Uh Uh-oh, I'm a Gemini up in here. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, which one am I? I I?" mean, my mom's a Gemini, so like, you know, like, no, 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 we're good. Like, uh, But I mean, I understand your point, (laughs) but it's just... You know, people have this this idea of of certain astrological signs. Like, I'm I'm an Aquarius, so uh, so like we oh, yeah. you and I go like bread and butter. Period. Yeah. We'll we'll, yeah, like we'll kind of flip mm-hmm. we'll kind of flip each other's shit from every once in a while. But but at the end of the day, <laughs> we're bread and butter. But it's still like oh, mm-hmm. like I said, the, the one from oh, I should have known better because I dated. Cute okay, scene. guess guess before Cute I say scene. it. Guess guess what astrological sign they were. Pisces. Oh no. Scorpio. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Uh, it was a Scorpio, oh, and I and I and I and I dated three of them. Uh, yeah. But did I learn? No. Did I learn? No. And and you know what? I'm sorry to all you Scorpios out there. Pero no, <laughs> away away from me, you go. Libras, ooh, Libras are absolutely horrible. Oh no, snap. Yes, like I can't. This? Okay,
1: it's been no. a minute for me. They're, their
0: their balance, their balance is so bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's just you know, and this is just relationship wise. Their their balance, whole their whole thing about balance is BS. They're okay. just they're they're balancing how to how to box you in their life. What? Yeah, that the best that's the best way for me to to describe it is at least in my engagements with Libras, it was like, okay, how can you? Be put into my life in a way that I find you digestible, so there's balance within my world, weird super weird, yeah, hated it, yeah, I, hated it. Yeah, no. Uh, Pisces has been great. Really? Pisces has been wonderful. I'm happy to
1: hear that, man. I don't, I don't think I can do another Pisces for a long
0: time, Veronique. I, you know Veronique. what? This was my first Pisces. So the first, the first Pisces has been pretty good. Okay. Okay. I respect that. And, and, uh, and I'm, and I'm chill. I think there's something else too, but they're definitely a Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's just, you know, every, every single person's going to be different and there's going to be a sense of balance to it. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know i've been pe- with people who are my same astrological sign and you know it, it doesn't work as well as it should but at the end of the day it it is intention it is balance it's it's things that aren't difficult any astrological sign is shit if they're just absolute assholes so it doesn't matter like if the person's just absolutely trash it doesn't matter their adro- astrological yeah, sign. Girl, yeah. just run. Yeah, yeah. Boy, just run. yeah Like it does not matter. Yeah. Just because um but you're for compatible. sure we all know what's up with the we all know what's up with the Scorpios. Oh,
1: and I wish I wish, <laughs> dude. I wish I I know. I've had way too many Scorpios in my life and I love them but I just I don't think it's ever going to work. <laughs>
0: You know what? A Scorpio can only go out with another Scorpio. That is my that is the true like or or somebody who is just super chill. Uh-huh. Like they have to be like the most basically chill human being on the earth. Shit, man, I can't I, I don't I don't know. My mood. I have never seen a, a Scorpio in a happy relationship. <laughs> the truth though man it's like i mean i know that sounds awful but have you ever seen a scorpio in a happy relationship
1: no no the only time i've seen scorpio in a long relationship is because it's like torturous there's like some oh yes and i'm like
0: what yo they're like they're like angry swans they find another angry swan it's wild man it's just like damn that sucks
1: but okay i guess you're happy (laughs) i don't know but i'm I'm not sweating it
0: Oh, yeah. Me- neither am I. But it's just, I think everybody kind of has their spaces that they run that work. Yeah. And it really, at the end of the day, I mean, astrological signs aside, even though you should kind of pay attention because some of them be <laughs> sus. Astro- astrological signs aside, it's really about the person. Yeah. And it really shouldn't be difficult at all. Yeah. The, the relationships, whatever they be, platonic, r- romantic, um, spiritual, really, everyone whether it's with your priest, whether it's a pastor, whoever, best friend, friend, childhood friend, none of it should be difficult ever. Getting into that space will find you really in your truest self, which is why these spaces are smaller. The bigger that you get, the more, the more you own who you are as a person. Once you figure out your identity, people who haven't figured it out are just, you can tell who they are from a mile away. Suddenly you can tell that they're just floating in just to just to wreck your shit and then float out. So it becomes easier to be like, nope. Yeah, you stay over there.
1: Absolutely. And and also people who are open to the changes that happen naturally. Like, hey, maybe I don't like freaking dubstep anymore. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'm not gonna like does that mean my friend group's gonna get smaller? Maybe. And maybe that's for the better. But also like finding the friends who can ebb and flow with you like hey maybe maybe I date women now maybe I date men now and your friends will be like okay no no doubt cool right on don't speak yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, not a big deal it's not gonna wreck anything everybody's you know understanding of all these changes that happen in a human it's hard sometimes for sure to like come to terms with these changes but but the friends that stick around and support these changes are really really incredible
0: something i've i've always been curious about as we as we kind of wind down here is now that you're at in this space of your adulthood mm-hmm. what was one of the realizations that you came to about your parents
1: oh you had to bring the parents oh my god oh god betonique the realization that I came to they were on their own trip like I don't actually believe that it's hard to believe that I was had as a child
0: oh my god <laughs> <laughs> how did I exist how, yeah who yeah. Am, am I, I here
1: that, that's like the realization I'm having is like why am I here if y'all weren't really gonna be around all right so that's the- <laughs> Damn. Yeah, why am I here y'all? What, what was the purpose of bringing me into this world? Although
0: I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much. Um, also thank you parents for bringing her here. Yeah. I really enjoy her company. Thank you. <laughs> little
1: yeah. Thanks y'all. If y'all listen, I just think I'm very happy with the person that I am. I will say that I'm very happy with the person that I am and I wouldn't be this person without them. So there's one thing like I am so happy with my person um but i am realizing that you know parents are human
0: um Oof, that realization yeah that that one was rough mm-hmm. it it's realizing that they're human and that me at now their age mm-hmm. when they were probably raising me yeah that that was the wild one that was the wild realization for me was that them at the age that i am now mm-hmm. raising me at this age i'm like yo how mm-hmm. How? I don't even have the bandwidth. Yeah. My, my internet's out. Like every, <laughs> the lights are gone too. Yeah. Like, yo, the, the, nope, things are broken yeah. in this house. Mm-hmm. How? I, How? Yeah. That, I mean, and it's while
1: I am in this like fancy residency, but I also have a shared house, uh household with a bunch of the other residents. And one of the residents has a three-year-old and so i'm like living with a 3 year old and i'm watching like this parenting happen and it's really very eye opening like it's not that i haven't been around kids before but i have not lived with a child before and
0: uh a small child a
1: small child Woo! uh and we we get along and i love to pick on her and uh and we fight sometimes <laughs> but but yeah i don't know if anybody is pre- maybe that's the thing that i'm realizing is is anybody prepared for parenthood i don't know
0: oof I don't I think when I talked to my mom about it she because we had a we had a nice long talk about it because I I turned 25 Mm -hmm. and when I had turned 25 she was turning 50 Mm -hmm. so I was she was 25 when she had me Mm -hmm. and so I had a conversation with her I said yo like you're you're 50 I am 25 like literally half of your life is now embodied in, in me as a, as a human, as a, as a corporal, as a truly Uh physical form of the corporal. And I'm like, whoa. And we (laughs) sat and we talked about it because my mom, okay, look, look who I, I know I was about to say, look who I am. And Mm -hmm. and then, and then look at my mother and it'll totally make sense. She's so cool. Because I was very blessed. I do know that for a damn fact. I'm very blessed in the home that I was raised in. But it was like, I, I I asked her, I said, were you ready? She was like, no, but I went into it knowing that I could do anything. Mm, that's so beautiful. And then, you know, despite any familial things, because every family has some yeah. something, that she had a village. She had a community mm-hmm, yeah. that she had built, this tiny little community she built for herself. And she said, I could do it like I could do it now and I can I can do it even if it's hard even if the, I I can do it and even to this day I I tell her all the time I'm like my god you are literally a superwoman mm-hmm. there is just because I can't I have no bandwidth at this moment to truly not empathize empathize is not the right word but it's like truly like delve into that space because I haven't birthed Mm -hmm. I haven't created life so it seems so foreign to me I understand the joys of motherhood in the sense of seeing my friends seeing family friends who have had children and then seeing the joy and love on their face Mm -hmm. and and even people I've dated who had children like I can see I can see what's going on there but to and I, I protect tiny humans with my whole heart sure let me be clear yeah do not hurt a tiny human yeah I will come for you yeah but it's just like that sense of, of like, they need to brush their teeth every day, like little things. I'm like, yo, like that is a whole, that's a soul, whole superhuman feat because I, You know, sometimes I I barely remember to put the seat down because the cat (laughs) will go in there and try to lick the water out of the bowl. Like, these are things that a parent would be like, oh, let me put it down because my child is a doofus. Or maybe they don't. (laughs) Maybe they make the mistake and then it's a learning lesson. Like, it's those things. Like, I don't, there's a sense of grace to parenthood that I have not experienced because I haven't biologically birthed. But geez, Marie's like there's just such a sense of of heroism that is beyond my understanding that I completely respect. Yeah. But also, I'm just completely shocked by because yes, the bandwidth is not there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 I I'm pretty sure I'm not having children. I respect parenthood a lot. It, it's so much work, and and parents that prepare for their children's success, parents that think about the longevity of their children's lives and careers and happiness. Oh my God, I have so much respect for that. So much respect and love because I I truly believe that's how children should be raised is in supportive environments. But that's not, you know, that's not, that's not the case always. Yeah. But I am very content with being the tia, with tia juju, that's what I'm called in my family because I have nieces and nephews, with being the weird auntie that's like, okay, hey, you don't want to have the traditional life path? Okay, here's the example. It's not always Mm -hmm. easy but this is what you can do. Like, this is an alternative example. If you don't want to be a teacher, if you don't want to be a nine to five, if you don't want to do this, if you want to do something real weird, I'll tell you how it is. And we'll figure it out together, you know?
0: And that's the the thing I'm trying to to reckon with. and And I still have time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But it's just like, I've had the thoughts to myself of like doubt in the sense of, you know, like, am I doing the right thing? You know, my, my business and my cats, mm, those that. are, th- those, those are, that's where my joy is. That's where, that's where a lot of my soul is, is in my music, is in my art mm-hmm. and in my, my beautiful three weirdo cats. <laughs> and so, you know, three weirdo little black demons that just run around this house, just knowing the ever living bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, I'm like, am I, am I doing something wrong? And of course... My parents, of course, don't say that. And they've always told me, like, if you've ever felt the desire or need to have a child, you Mm -hmm. can. And, you know, there was a point in time where it could have happened Mm -hmm. and it didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, my body just said no. Mm -hmm. And that was okay. And I had to reconcile with that. And it was my first real deep experience with Oshun. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't realize what had happened until... A different curandero is sitting there with me and going, like, like mind you, I didn't even realize they were going to be on this trip. Like it was a trip with a bunch of friends, a bunch of people I didn't really super know. Um, but I decided, you know what, I need to get away. I, I need to, to my brain to go somewhere else because I was in these deep throes of pain. Mm-hmm. Still, like I said, shadow work is is a lifelong thing. Oh yeah. Sorry. So I was go. So <laughs> so you step into it. It's your damn fault. <laughs> I don't know. See see a therapist. I don't know. <laughs> like dude. <laughs> like some people could do it on their own. Some people need a therapist. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was really wild because um, they knew O'Shun had O'Shun had told them mm. everything. I didn't know this person. I didn't I didn't tell anyone this person literally told me everything that happened and then said like that they were okay. Whoa. Oh, sure. and, and within that moment, like we're there at the river cause we're over in um, just some, some area out there in San Antonio. And it was like for the first time in a long time within all of these painful situations and lots of surgeries, cause I had already done two mm-hmm. at the time. My third one would come soon, like soon, Um, after that like there was a sense of peace but it wasn't that doesn't mean I was absolutely free and clear that last third surgery was I think the true like culmination of the real deep shadow work Mm. now it's a little bit easier now it can go in through my writing and my work and I can really kind of artistically parcel through it better I can sing the blues and not live it now Mm. but damn um, that last surgery felt like, like it was time. My time was up. Whoa. I was ready to go. Whoa! But you chose not to. I don't know if that was a, oh <laughs> I, don't that was- I don't know. I think so. I think I was, I was in a place, you know, I was uh, my really, really great. And, you know, I, I call them the, the love of my life. The best friend of best friends, my Pisces, <laughs> who had always been around. Oh, like literally we've been friends for, for eight years. So this is where I say, like, there's, there's a sense of friendship there and and they had taken me to the hospital because I needed someone to take me. Um, You know, my, there was other extenuating circumstances with the family and I needed somebody to take me. And I, I just vented. And I said, look, if this is my last time and they look at me and they go, this isn't your last round on this earth. Mm. Like, stop. Yeah. I said, no, just let me, just let me say what I'm going to say. And then, you know, if, if it happens it happens and if it doesn't it doesn't but I'm at peace mm-hmm. and they're like okay hmm. and I and I and I told them, I said look I just I want my mom to be okay I want everything to be okay I want them to know that I love them I want them to know that whatever happens I'm okay and that I am at peace with where I am now hmm. and if I'm if I wake up then then I'm good if I don't and something happens because surgery, as much as everyone says, oh, it's a, it's a procedure, it's this, yeah. it's that. I'm like, yo, you don't know. Yeah, you know. definitely don't know. People have, people have gone in there and not come out, unfortunately. And it's been minor. Mm-hmm. But I, I said, look, I, I know it's minor, but I just want to be acknowledged. I want these feelings to be heard. Because if not, I'll go crazy in there. And they were like, okay. And they hugged me. And all they said is, I'll see you soon. And I walked in there and I I did the job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went in there and, and I got out and I was like, okay, I'm here. The healing can begin. In my soul, I knew that the healing could begin. Like the, the, all these pieces that had been you know, flipped around and, and, you know, I got to talk to the person, you know, throughout the pandemic. Um, I actually did get to talk to the, the really bad relationship, the mm-hmm. last one. Yeah. That was the wild part too, is that within my shadow work, I got to talk to them again. Mm-hmm. And we spoke and, and there was a sense of karmic retribution in a sense <laughs> that happened, not, not at me, but at, yeah. at them. And it was interesting to be able to look at it and for them to look at me and say that I was different Huh. And I hadn't noticed it. They weren't saying it in a mean way. They were like, like there's just a sense of peace and like you just seem like a whole different person mm-hmm. than the person I was with. And I said, Yeah. I acknowledge the things I did wrong. I acknowledge the the childish actions of of somebody who's in pain. Mm-hmm. But you were also an ass. <laughs> and I was able to say that confidently and say, you know what, like I know where I've messed up and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But you were an ass mm-hmm, mm-hmm. throughout that whole thing. You should have just let me yeah. go. Yeah, seriously. Like you should have just let me just like, not in a mean way. We could have kept the friendship because we were very good friends. Mm-hmm. And that was the beauty of, of that particular relationship is that we were friends. But I said, you should have just let me go. Yeah. And so like coming into the situation with the surgery with my best friend, who's, you know, the Pisces. Mm-hmm. And where they tell me, you know, see you soon. Like, I, I took that in such a way as, like, there wasn't judgment to it. There wasn't any, like, oh, I'm going to see you outside. Like, there wasn't anything like that. It was just, like, I'll see you soon. What plane that would have been in was my choice. But I was acknowledged. And that acknowledgement means a lot to people. Mm-hmm. Like, acknowledge my voice. Acknowledge my words. Acknowledge what I'm feeling. I, maybe, maybe you're right. And maybe I am absolutely off my nut, but let me be off my nut for just a split second yeah. so that I don't feel like I'm in this alone. Yeah. So I went in there and I didn't feel alone.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I, I mean, I think it comes back to the conversation we had about the people, right? The people in your life, people that somehow get you through the toughest things, the people that hear you. Even when you don't expect to come back, but they're always like, "Hey, we'll see you in a second, okay?"
0: And you're like, "Okay." <laughs> yes, exactly. There, there's such a there's such a beauty in the simplicity of language and the simplicity of words, and that's why that space that you that you allow people to be in with you mm-hmm. so that's a good way to put it. It's so important that intention. It's so important who you allow. It's so important who you don't allow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, life is complex. Being a
1: human is so complex.
0: (laughs) It is. But I, I found, I've been wanting to talk to you for so long and it's been because of this, because there's such a shared, there's such a shared space in, in tackling spirituality and tackling oneness as a Mexican American Latinx that doesn't get discussed enough that it is complex. It's not a simple one way street. We're not all Catholics. We're not all, you know, we're not all living, you know, by the rosary and, and and doing it every night or every weekend or every day, you know, our practices are different. And that complexity of, of our, of our relationship with religion is, is not the same.
1: No, it is not. And, and, I'm glad you brought it back to this, like talking about this identity of South Texas. And I, I think that's where these big corporations and media companies really, that's what they haven't figured out yet is like the complexity of our spirituality down there. Right, I'm saying there because I'm not there right now. Um, the complexity of the spirituality, not only is it, yes, there are Catholics. Yes, there are Christians. Yes, there are brujas. Yes, there are curanderas. Yes, there are, Folk there's folklore. Yes, there are things that we do that we don't know we're doing. Yes, there's gospel, yes, there's there's it's the spirituality of the region is like I, I think South Texas is such a magical place.
0: Magic pure magic. I say it's because we're so close to the the frontera. I think it's because we're so close to the border that yeah. aspects of our ancestry, aspects of the culture, aspects of the the Native American mm-hmm. You know, the Mexican Native American is still very much infused in the soil of the land that we walk on, that we breathe in the air, that we are a part of.
1: Absolutely. And thinking about the border as a crossroads, you know, and thinking about Olegua as the keeper of the crossroads and like what, how magical crossroads are. Very, you're totally right. The frontera as a magical space seems totally feasible to me. That makes total sense but it can be felt throughout that entire region. That's so misunderstood. That's so like ignored in these conversations around Latinx identity. Although I will say, I think San Antonio's is hardcore. Oh yeah. Repping hardcore and RGV, Brownsville, McAllen. I think that's where it's at right now. I think as far as holding it down for the South Texas identity, that's where it's, that's where it's, it's really being pushed and supported and
0: But it's it goes back to the bubble. It goes back to that space of identity that is not questioned Mm -hmm. because you're, it's almost like it's, it's like a no, like, no, it's, it's a hard boundary actually Mm -hmm. for the region. It's like, no, you are not allowed to do this. You are not allowed to anglicize who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's where at the end of the day, once I let go and that once I let go, once i once I truly let go of these feelings of of hate and anger and rage mm-hmm. at all the people that I let into my world, I took it for the lesson that it was and then let the rest be yeah, so as we finish up today's <laughs> podcast, I would like to let you have the last word: What is life accordion to you
1: life accordion to me is jokes and pranks and fun and funny it's life is funny life's a trip all right life's a straight up trip but without music without dancing without laughter without friends without people that I could have deep conversations with it it wouldn't be such a good time so life accordion to me is a freaking trip man but it's a good one it's a good one and thanks, Veronique, for having me. It's been so good talking to you. It's been so good talking to you. And, and I have missed you. And I miss Texas. And I miss home. And, and this conversation was very much needed. So thank you.
0: Well, everyone, once again, make sure to visit Julia Arredondo. Tell them all the social media spaces that you are in. JuliaArredondo.com.
1: You can find me on Instagram at casualhaiku. You can find me on Twitter at Abundance BB. That's two B's. Okay. Abundance BB. I'm currently running QTVC Live via Instagram at QTVC Live, which is the Freaky Home Shopping Network, aka QVC But Cooler. And I'm sure there will be many more businesses to come. I'm just here working on it. All right. I'm working on it.
0: So for sure, Julia Redondo. (laughs) I'm not changing my name anytime soon. so. (laughs) So thank you so much, Julia, for just blessing us with this just... Truly spiritually therapeutic journey of the mind. And as always, everyone, puro amor, puro besos, puro tejano. Thank you for listening to Accordion to Me. The team behind this week's episode includes mixing and editing by Juan Pablo Diaz, theme music by Rodrigo Montalvo, produced by Javi G. from MD Media. In-person recordings were done at the Podify studios and remotely through Riverside FM. Accordion to Me is distributed through Anchor and you can stream Accordion to Me